contemplation together. And before, I'll um, guide you through it. I'll explain something about it, which might make it easier to see what this contemplation really wants to do or what we are aiming for. I've already mentioned several times that there are two levels of reality. One is the relative reality in which we live and one is an absolute reality which looks different from the one that we live in. Now the one we live in is guided mostly by our optics. What we see, we believe. We still interpret differently, each one in their own way, but when we see it, we believe it. When we hear it, we might, but we hear very differently from each other. Even when you hear the same thing, it comes out different in everyone's mind. And the other senses, particularly the thinking, is the one we believe most. Now, I think it goes without saying that that kind of worldview must be extremely limited. We can't see beyond the horizon with our optics. We can't look around the corner and we cannot see ultraviolet light which bees can see. So our optical capacities are extremely limited. Now the other thing that we really believe in uh, is our thinking capacity. And of course there we have a very strong opinion about our own ability. Some people's opinion about their own ability to think is so strong that they cannot bear to be told that they're making a mistake. And if they're told that they have made a mistake, the person who's telling them might be their enemy forever and considered to be rather stupid on top of it. Now, we've all encountered that. We might even have done it ourselves. Who knows? And where do we get all this stuff from that we're thinking? Well, mostly we're getting it out of books. And some of it out of fantasy, what, we, what we'd like to have happen or how we would like to see the world. But most of it is out of books. Why do we believe books so much? Just because it's printed? It's always been like that. Just because it's printed. It's somebody else's world view that's being printed there. And that person might have made a study of a certain subject 
and give all sorts of details on that subject, which makes it sound really professional. And then we're even more apt to believe it. To believe books, as long as we're learning, a profession is fine. And that's where it stops. All of these things that mainly the optical and the thinking, those two are the strongest, are fine for everyday living. They're all right for survival. They're great for a profession, a job, whatever it is, how we make our money to survive. But they certainly do not have the capacity to widen our view, to give us an extra insight, to have a consciousness which goes beyond this everyday and so common marketplace mentality. None of that can do it. If we can't see it, it's not there. If we can't think it, we don't believe it. Certainly, that limit puts such a limit to our capacity which a human being has that one should really have a second thoughts whether that could ever be sufficient. Yet it is the relative reality in which we live. In this relative reality, each person sits there by him or herself on their own chair or cushion and has his or her difficulties to meditate, is bounded by the extension of their body and certainly bounded by the extension of their mind. Some can do loving kindness better, some can do it worse, whatever it is. Some can concentrate better, some can not concentrate. This is all a relative reality where each person is separate. In this separation, we feel threatened. There's fear. It can't be any other way. Be, even though we may not be aware of it. Most people do become aware of it here and then, now and then. And as they do, they think that there's a special cause for that fear. A nasty person, or a nasty situation, or sickness, or whatever happened. That's the cause for that fear. But that's not so. The fear is within, and it is the fear which we can call existential anxiety. It's a good name for it, because it answers practically the whole gamut of fears. And this existential anxiety arises out of the fact that we think we are separate. We are one alone. And nobody escapes the notion that this universe is rather large, even though we might never think of it. 
it is embedded in our consciousness. We do know that this universe is fairly large. And we do know that there are innumerable galaxies. And we also do know that this earth is only a tiny speck in one of the galaxies. And we also know that this earth is inhabited by billions of people and that we ourselves are not even the size of a pinhead compared to the size of everything else. We don't like to give it much thought, but we all know it. In fact, we can see it. It can be depicted. We've heard it. But we haven't possibly taken note of the fact that we feel that threatening that we feel insecure because of the minuteness of this personal being and the vastness of everything around us. We haven't taken real note of the fact that this encourages and incurs fear in us. It's a fear being totally separated and incapable of standing up to all that which surrounds us. Now, our usual remedy for that is to make ourselves a little more important. If we are a little more important, maybe nothing will happen. And we usually have some ways and means of doing that. Even if we can just become more important than the person we live with. That's also a very common way of doing things. Of course, it doesn't work too well, but it's a very common way of doing things. At least there's some importance. And that's supposed to avert the threat that we see all around us, because we know very well that there's nothing to be secure in. We know it even consciously. Subconsciously, everybody knows it. But even consciously, we know. Where is security? It's quite clear that this separation makes us feel isolated. And that's why we're looking for someone to appreciate us. And if we can't find that someone, we feel really bereft. If we have that someone, and then that someone stops appreciating us, which is only too common, then we're feeling even more bereft. It's all a sort of way of looking at things which can never really work out. And is so limited that the limitations in themselves already promise disaster. Whatever is that limited will never work. So the relative reality in which we live is not sufficient. And yet, most people in this world try to make do with it. Believing what they see and believing what they think. And on top of that, believing that they think better. That's another way of trying to avert the threat of annihilation. 
Now, if we take another look at the size of each person within this universe, we know for a fact that it's so minute, it can't even be expressed. If we look at that and really take a good look and embed that in our consciousness, we may feel quite upset by that. We're so unimportant. Everything that we do is so unimportant. The person I am is so tiny and we might feel really a sense of tragedy thinking of all the things we're trying and yet there's such a smallness to us that too is relative reality that's the relative or the other side of the coin on one side it's me and I'll be a little more important and nothing will happen to me and on the other side it's I'm so tiny I have nothing to back me up everything is going to be against me it's really dangerous. So both sides are relative and both are extremes and both are thought processes. One makes a person depressed and uh, give an underlying mood of disgust or rejection and the other side gives a person an inflated sense of ego. Both are difficult to live with for the person who has them, for their uh, surroundings also, of course, but they can possibly just um, pretend it isn't happening, which one can do. But for the person who has either one of those, it's very difficult. And most people actually use both, go from one extreme to the other useless of course and yet we need to have a totally different view and a totally different entry into let's say the universe in order to change that that we aren't specifically important and somebody special that's one thing being so tiny and totally lost in the whole of it is another thing. The reality of it is that we are connected. And that has to be experienced. And that's why we're using the methods that the Buddha has given us. The methods of meditation and contemplation so that we can actually experience this connectedness. The connectedness is absolute reality. There are no boundaries. We've made them ourselves. There are no separations. We've made them ourselves. The togetherness is a fact, but not just because we're in the same room. 
or because we happen to have the same idea or because we happen to go to the same school or the same um, party not nothing like that the togetherness is much more profound than that it's the scientific fact of having nothing but particles in the whole universe that are constantly interacting we've probably all read about that or heard about it that aeroplane was just interacting with us everything is constantly interacting we just have to put our attention on it we've probably heard and read or either one about the understanding that physics has of the universe but what's lacking not only for us but for the physicists themselves is to recognize the fact that we are part and parcel of all that we belong right with it we are a natural phenomena that's all we are and this natural phenomena is not unimportant but it doesn't stand alone and when we realize that we can eventually feel embedded in the whole of creation which we should feel embedded in it we can eventually feel that's no there is no other there's not somebody out there and i'm in here we're all in it together and as we feel that loving kindness and compassion are the natural outcomes of that the natural outcome then of loving kindness and compassion is also the lack of fear and self supporting egocentricity there is nobody that's a part from another which also totally removes the idea of tolerance you don't have to tolerate anyone or anything it's all me anyway tolerance for instance for other religions it's a very nice step on the way and very important but it certainly isn't absolute truth it's still relative i am tolerating you but that's not the real truth the real truth is that i and you are the same and then there's nothing to tolerate things just are the way they are let's then one step further now to go that step further through contemplation which we will do together and 
maybe get an inkling of it. It may not be totally clear right away. There's no uh, need for that. These are all steps on the way. But to do this through contemplation will give a very distinct outline and an indication of what it really means to have this human body and also to have the human mind because it can do the mind can do far more than what we usually do with it we are limiting ourselves immensely and within those limits we've got problems with a capital P and those problems with a capital P are then our world doesn't make sense does it this world is not problems this world is a school for grown-ups and all we need to do is watch the signs and listen with our heart to what is really going on and we'll know the personal problems that people encounter are all based on those two extremes the fear that one is small and can't stand up to whatever is happening or that one is larger bigger than what one really is and therefore has difficulties with the next person that's also has to be bigger this problem problematical way of looking at life is essentially totally useless problems once solved bring a new one they don't disappear but what can disappear is our wrong world view and our wrong self view there are people who are professional worriers you ask them what they're worrying about and they have to think a moment <laughs> and then they come up with things of course they worry about becoming sick getting old dying not having enough money children not making good uh, all that sort of thing my children and your children are exactly the same they're just somebody's children that whole idea of separation between people and between people and nature around us and between nature and the universe it's all mind made stuff has no reality physics know that have long written about it have made even um, tests in america they made tests in a, what's called a bubble chamber and they found out that the whole thing interacts all the time everything is in constant movement nothing is separate 
from the next thing and yet we believe our eyes optical illusion once we get past that optical illusion we're bound to think it's funny how could we have been so blind and yet every time we look everybody looks separate so anything that we really understand from inside out we need to resurrect in the mind over and over again until we can never make that same mistake again of thinking that I am separate from the rest of the world that I am separate from the you and that the you is other than the I and that the they is totally different from the we these are conventional ways of speaking Buddha used them too because we have to use the conventions Otherwise, we don't make ourselves understood very well. It's hard enough to understand another person anyway. Usually one can only understand the other person if one's had the same experience. And that's why the Buddha advised to do it, to have the method to practice it, so that there will be some people who can understand it from their own experience. We have a very difficult time understanding things just by being told. It's natural because our thinking capacity is very limited. May we ever be so clever? It's still limited. It's limited to what we can dream up in the mind. Nothing else can be thought about. But when we experience something new, then there is that ability to recognize it for what it is, the truth and as we recognize it for the truth and resurrect that truth within us over and over again then it becomes part of our world and self-view when the world and the self-view have changed from the limited from the personal to the universal unlimited fears are greatly reduced they only arise again when we go back into the personal and limited when we let that go the personal and limited and feel ourselves part of everything fear cannot arise what are we fearing for that they're going to um, throw us out of the club or what <laughs> we're in it we're in it we can't help it nobody can help it we're, we're there so nobody can throw us out so there's nothing to fear one of the five hand mudras that we have very often with Buddha statues is the hand either right or left held like this which means no fear nothing to fear nothing there to fear but we do need a different view 
And that different view we can also recognize, and which is important, that relative reality has its place in the marketplace. There's no two ways about it. If you want to go and buy something in a shop, you've got to pay some money for it. Even though we're all one and everything is the same. (laughs) They're not going to take that as payment. (laughs) So we have a relative reality in the marketplace just has to be the one that rules it. But as it rules that, we can recognize almost immediately when, we, when it's pointed out that that can't be all there is. Relative reality happens, of course, as we make a living anywhere at any time. But if we don't get at least an inkling that there's something else, we'll never be satisfied, we'll never be fulfilled. And there's another thing that we need to know. And it's it's a constant bother. We can't bring the two together. This is one of the difficulties with Zen koans. People try to solve Zen koans on the level of relative reality. They make no sense whatsoever. In fact, they sound stupid. The sound of one hand clapping... I mean, useless on a relative reality level. Or what was my face before I was born? Doesn't make sense. That's only in relative reality. In absolute reality, it's obvious. There's no question about it. So, it's all happening all the time, everywhere. No separation. What's the, what's the difference whether one hand's clapping or two? all one so this is something that we have to remember also when we question or try to understand some of the Buddha's teaching on relative reality we have the level of purification we have to purify heart and mind the one that we live with that heart that mind not the next one's heart and mind. Mine. That's relative reality. And the Buddha gave any number of methods and ways of doing that. Then we come to meditation. On relative reality, I am meditating. And I ought to be. What else should I be doing in a meditation course anyway? But meditation is for the one who's doing it that hasn't gone beyond the relative reality of me sitting there doing it but having then been able to concentrate and let go of the mundane worldly thinking then it's possible to enter into states of consciousness which are so vast and are quite beyond relative reality so that they give us an inkling what absolute reality can be like. They are, this meditation, is a bridge 
between the relative reality of me purifying myself, me concentrating, me practicing, to the insight into the whole of it. The insight into this vast conglomeration of existence, this vast conglomeration of creation. So then, having done those things on that level, they cannot be questioned on the absolute level because they don't belong there. These two levels are apart from each other and each one has, of course, its own justification. Sometimes people who hear or even experience a little bit of absolute level of reality then think, and this doesn't happen very often, but it does happen, that that's the way they have to live and the rest of the things that are to be done in the world are of no concern whatsoever. Doesn't work. They're floating around in a no-man's land, so to say, and can't really put their feet down. As long as we have a body we also have the need for relative reality. But we must, can, always remember that that's only one part of the whole thing. And it is the part which is geared for survival. That's all. And that part is the one that creates fear if we don't know that there's something else. So when we question, for instance, nothingness or when we question the fact that there's an illusion now that's on the absolute level but if it's me wanting to have the understanding of nothingness I'm trying to put the two levels together the relativity of me and the absoluteness of nothingness and it doesn't work they don't operate together. The relative reality is the one that keeps us alive, it's for survival, and the absolute reality is the one that gives us the insight into the universal and total and complete consciousness which pervades the universe. Well, on that level of a consciousness which pervades the universe, if I see then nothingness, I see something entirely different. So the, the warning is not to confuse the two levels, which happens constantly. It happens over and over again. Because it sounds so intriguing to have something which is absolute and which really takes the burden of my own shoulders because everybody is helping me to carry the burden. It's really very intriguing, but it doesn't relieve us of relative reality. That's got to be taken care of too. And the Buddha himself talked about I, me and mine, in the conventional way of speaking, when he was teaching people about the first two steps, purification in all its aspects and facets, and concentration which brings the mind into the possibility of seeing something different 
I went on so long about this confusion between relative and absolute because it's very widespread. It comes out in questions and difficulties over and over again. We have to realize that there's one thing I'm doing and there's another thing which I can become aware of. I think it's best to stand up and stretch our legs before we do the contemplation. This is called the contemplation on the four elements. And just to um, mention them ahead of time, the four elements are the constituents of all materiality. Everything that exists in a material way has those four elements in it. And these four elements are called earth, fire, water, and air, or wind. That's their names. They also each have their own quality, and also, they also have their own purpose and action. Now, earth has the quality of solidity. So one could call it solidity, but it's called earth element. And it has the purpose of being a foundation. Now fire is temperature. It has the quality of temperature. It doesn't have to be hot. It's just temperature. And it has actually the ingredient of destruction. And water is liquidity and it has the characteristic of binding. Means if you have flour and you put water in it, you get dough. It binds things together. And air or wind has the characteristic of movement. It's moving. When we move, we, when we make a movement with our bodies, the air which is there has been changed because the movement has changed it. So they all have their purpose and action and they have their innate characteristic. And as we find them in ourselves through the contemplation, we might be able to connect to all that which is around us. In order to start, we'll put the attention on the breath for just a moment, just to become concentrated. We'll go through the body and just notice wherever we feel solid.
any place that has a feeling of solidity is the earth element in us. may also be a feeling of heaviness. And we feel the pressure of sitting on the pillow and recognize this as earth element contacting earth element. Our solidity contacts the solidity of the pillow. And we allow the earth element within us to flow into the earth element of the pillow, not to separate from it, Go further, feel the solidity of the legs, the feet, and let that flow into the floor. No separation. Earth element flows into earth element. As we have flown into the floor, we go further to the walls of the house, feel ourselves flowing into that and outside, touching the ground with our feet, not being separate from the ground. Feeling one through the earth element within us and the earth element that's on the ground. We walk to the nearest tree, lean against it and feel our earth element touching the earth element, the solidity of the tree. and possibly have the feeling that the boundaries no longer exist or become at least more nebulous. We go further, touching the ground, noticing earth element flowing into earth element, and sitting on it, being no separate from the grass that we touch, from the hill on which we sit. from the valley in which we find ourselves.
Now we go and find a stream and we put our hands into the flowing water and we feel the solidity within that water. So the earth element in our hand touches the earth element in the water. look up at the clouds and feel the earth element from ourselves flowing into the clouds which also contain solidity. We will get up from our sitting position on the grass and walk back retracing our steps feeling earth element on the ground in the grass from our feet flowing together back to the tree embracing it and put our forehead against it and let our boundaries between ourselves and the tree dissolve Trace our steps back into the floor of the room, back to the pillow, and recognize the earth element in the person sitting next to us. And let the earth element within us, the solidity, everything that feels like it has compactness flow into the compactness of that person nearest us. Wiping the boundaries. And we can go further afield, letting our earth element flow into the earth element of as many people as we would like. Letting the boundaries fall.
we'll go back to ourselves to notice the fire element which is the temperature of the body it's also the aging element because it has destruction in it helps us to digest become aware of the temperature in any part of the body wherever it's most noticeable Again, we'll go to touching the pillow. There is temperature within us and temperature in the pillow. And the two can merge. Go down the legs and let the temperature of the feet and the legs merge with the floor. The floor also has temperature. It may be different from the temperature the body has, but it has some. We notice the temperature in our feet as we touch the temperature of the floor and then become aware outside of the temperature in the grass, which may be quite cool, or the earth if we're touching it with our feet. We let that which we notice within us flow into the earth, into the grass, letting the boundaries dissolve. Go to the nearest tree and feel with our hand the temperature of the bark. Maybe on a place where the sun is hitting it. And then changing to a place where there's shade. Different temperature, but still temperature. And through our hand, touching, we let our separation go and flow into the tree. Go a little further, becoming aware of the temperature in the feet and the temperature on the ground, and sit on the ground.
becoming aware of the flow of the temperature from our body into the grass or the earth. and we don't feel other. (coughs) Go to a stream and put our hand in the stream and we feel the temperature of the water and the temperature of our hand merging. And we can feel the wind on our face having a temperature and merging with the temperature in our face. up into the sky and feel the warmth of the sun merging with the warmth of our body. And as a cloud covers the sun, we feel the coolness of the air merging with the coolness of our body. go back to the tree and put our forehead against the bark feel the temperature from the tree merging with the temperature in our forehead 
and let the boundaries dissolve. We retrace our steps along the ground, feeling temperature of foot and temperature of ground until we reach our pillow. As we feel the temperature in our own body as much as possible from head to toe or as much as can come to our awareness. We merge with the temperature in the person next to us. Let the boundary dissolve. And we go further afield to as many people as we would like to. Let the temperature of ourselves merge with their temperature. Now we'll go back to ourselves and become aware of the water element in the mouth, in the eyes. Maybe we can be aware of the blood. We know about urine. perspiration and we also know that we are almost 80% water so we try to focus on the water element within us letting go of the earth element which is usually overshadowing the water element. That feeling of compactness and solidity. We try to let that go into the background and have the water element in the foreground of our attention. Liquidity and the binding element 
having this water element in the foreground of our attention, we recognize the binding element in the pillow we sit on, flow into it, recognize it in the floor, flow into it, Recognize it in the walls of the house. Let ourselves flow into that and out on the ground and the grass. And with the water element within us, we flow into the wetness of the grass or the dryness of the earth. With each footstep that we take, we are aware of the water element within us touching the water element on the grass. And we go to the nearest tree, embrace it. And our own blood merges with the sap in the tree, letting the boundaries go. And we go a little further and put our hands in the stream. And all of the water element within us, which is the most prevalent element within us, merges with the water we touch. We go to the shore of the ocean and as far as the eye can see there's water. Our own water element merges with the ocean. No separation.
we look up into the sky and we see a rain cloud ready to shed rain on us and as it touches us we are one with it no separation water element within water element without And we go back to the tree, embrace it, become aware of the sap within it, and allow ourselves to merge with it. going back upon the ground our own water element which is from head to toe merges with that on the grass in the wall on the floor back on the pillow having recognized our own water element which fills us we now merge with the water element in the newest person and let the boundaries and the differences dissolve and we go further afield to as many persons as we like also to those who are not present here whom we know anyone at all now go to the wind element within us most noticeable through the breath watch the breath coming in and out air 
into the air around you. No separation from the air around us to our breath. Merge into it, into the air around us. See the movement of the wind element in the movement of the breath, in the movement of the air around us. And as we move from the pillow to the ground outside, each movement displaces the air around us. The wind element in the breath, the wind element in our movements, merging into the air around us, into the movement of the wind outside. As we step on the grass, the grass moves, displacing air. we go to the nearest tree and embrace it, we can hear the wind moving the leaves, we know the tree is breathing, our own breath and our own movement merge with the breath and the movement of the tree. And as we sit on the grass, the wind touches the face and we become one with it. We don't separate from it. It's wind and air within us and wind and air around us.
And as we go to the shore of the ocean, we see the movement of the waves caused by wind displacing air and we join our air our wind element to that of the ocean up at the sky and see the clouds moving and know that this the wind element moving the clouds and we feel the movements within us and let them merge go back to the tree and we see and hear and feel the wind and the air around us touching the tree being within the tree being within us merging together dissolving the boundaries trace our steps watching how movement displaces air how they operate together feeling no different from the air around us letting the air around us seep into us merging with it And as we sit back on the pillow, merging with the air that we breathe, and then going to the next person and merging with the breath that they take, knowing it to be the same as we do the air between us joins us and we go to as many people as we like to experience that merging that oneness 
through breath and air, which allows no differentiation. And we'll go back to ourselves and become aware of earth as compactness and solidity. Fire as temperature. Water as liquidity and binding element. Coming aware of these within us. Knowing where to find them, how they feel. And wind element, particularly of breath. but also as movement. All four noticeable within us. And I will think of animals, all those that we know and recognize the same four elements within them and lose our separation. We can touch them to feel the warmth, to feel the compactness. We know of the liquidity, the water and the blood and we know and can feel their breath And then we go from the four elements within us to as many people as we can accommodate to have this merging process. Those we know, those we don't know, recognizing the sameness using all four elements to dissolve the boundaries between ourselves and other people.
and then we allow our mind to go out into the universe as far as we can and recognize those four elements within us, within the universe. Solidity, temperature, water or binding, air and movement. Join that which you find within with all those elements to be found everywhere. as you dissolve the boundaries between yourself and universal existence feel the relief that that gives and the protection it affords to be part and be embedded in all that exists 